Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, December 16th, 2021. We are just nine days from Christmas. It's always an exciting time for families, for friends, for get-togethers, unless you're stuck with some COVID rules in a restrictive state or you're told about a uh, flare-up in your area because we're hearing a lot about that, a lot of positive tests this Omicron, or Omicron, however you pronounce it, is uh, kind of dominating the headlines. Although they say that the health effects of it are not that dramatic. So not quite sure what the big deal about this whole thing is. If it's a milder strain, but yet we're going bonkers over it. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to some of you. And I know it doesn't make sense to a lot of these athletes. And we're starting to see some of these guys push back a little bit out of frustration. Why am I talking about this today? I don't want to talk about this today. I wish I didn't have to talk about this today. But I'm here squarely because of all these positive tests that are going on in the NBA, the NFL, and beyond. And it's worth taking a look at what exactly the situation is over here. The Browns have their top two quarterbacks out. So Baker Mayfield tested positive. So Case Keenum took the snaps this week. Keenum tested positive. So now Nick Mullins is going to have to take the helm on Sunday against the Raiders. And look, they're, both teams are right in the thick of things, the Raiders and the Browns. But if I'm the Browns, I mean, this is a golden opportunity to kind of uh, stay in the race or pretty much, you know, the season is lost potentially if they lose this game. And now they're going to rely on their third quarterback to do so. And he's going to be stripped of some of his top targets like uh, like Landry, as an example. That's a tough assignment. That's a really tough assignment. It was going to be tougher. Case Keenum, let alone Nick Mullins. He was just added to the active roster. Now, he does have some starting experience. He started 16 games for the 49ers from 2018 to 2020. Uh, But he hasn't thrown a single pass for the Browns at this time. So that's kind of where we're at. Now, Baker Mayfield tweeted this out. and if Well, let me give some context. So the NFL has relaxed some of their procedures and protocols when it comes to COVID. And I think they're realizing some of what I said, which is this strain isn't really killing people. Let's just put it out there. It's, they're, it's not killing people. It's not making them that sick even. For the most part. Now, obviously, if you've got uh, comorbidities, if you've got 
you know, health issues, if you're overweight, diabetic, you got other health issues, cancer, whatever, you know, your immune system is already compromised, immunocompromised. So that's going to be in a different category for those people. They probably shouldn't even be getting a cold or the flu or any kind of sickness, any kind of illness, COVID or not. It's, I mean, so it should be treated the same as how one would take precautions for anything else. And it's kind of funny because what kind of precautions am I talking about? Well, I would boost my immune system. I would take a lot of vitamin C, vitamin B, vitamin D. Get some sunlight. Do the normal things that people do when they're trying to have a good immune system to fight things off. And it's kind of funny to me because all these people that supposedly care about our health, how many times have you heard them talk about that? How often do you hear them saying, make sure you take all your vitamins, your supplements, that you get healthy. Here are some stress relief techniques. It's not even mentioned. So I, I got to wonder how how much are how concerned are they about our health? There might be something else going on here, but I digress. The NFL is starting to realize that some of their protocols need to change, and I've maintained this. Look, it, the whole thing is kind of. I'm not going to say hypocritical. I'm going to say it just doesn't make sense because team could be together in the locker room. They could fly together, you know, take, take the bus ride together. Some have masks. Some don't have masks. They get to hug after the games, talk before the games. But then like during a game where the physical contact between one and another is separated by pads, jersey, helmet, etc. There's a lot of space in between. And oh, by the way, the face-to-face -face time amongst NFL players in a tackle or in any other given scenario in the NFL, if it happens at all, it lasts a matter of seconds, probably split seconds, really. I can't remember, you know, two guys helmets facing the same direction in close proximity and it lasting more than 1.2 seconds. I think the only time is when they're pissed at each other and talking smack back and forth. But that's more of a baseball manager thing, you know, where they get in each other's faces and stuff. You see the spit flying out of their mouths. Don't really see that that much in NFL. I think most of the smack talk um, leading up to and including a fight is from kind of a distance. There's not that many fights in the NFL. But I mean, so what, what, what is it that we're worried about? So you, you have some asymptomatic positives. And there are some well-renowned doctors that say the asympt asymptomatic don't spread it. But not going to get into that because I don't know one way or another.
I'm not so sure that anybody knows for sure one way or another, but the data suggests that the asymptomatic are not a big culprit for the spread of COVID. Most of these NFL guys are asymptomatic, by the way. So you have all these positive tests that are coming in for guys who are perfectly healthy and can play without an issue. And it's highly unlikely that they're going to spread the disease to anybody else. So Baker Mayfield criticized NFL today uh, on Twitter, of course, at NFL. Make up your damn mind on protocols. Showing up and making only three teams test. All see. Also, you can keep. It's not also all, so you can keep the game as scheduled to make money. Andre in another tweet actually caring about player safety would mean delaying the game with this continuing at the rate it is. But to say you won't test vaccinated players if they don't have symptoms, then to pull this randomly doesn't make any sense to me. There are 21 Browns, I think, that have tested positive. It's either 20 or 21. Huge number. Huge number. It doesn't. Look, where you have jobs on the line, careers on the line, if you were to ask them, and I, them being the players, being the coaching staff, and I think that most genuinely do care about player safety, most genuinely care about their own health. Yeah, they put their uh, lives and limb on the line, so to speak, every single week. But I would say that if you rank the things that they're most concerned about, CTE and a torn ACL would rank much higher than a COVID positive test. I can guarantee you that. A little disappointing that the uh, NFL Players Association, the union, which I am a part of, has not really conveyed the sentiment of these players. Because the result of all this is going to be that, for the most part, the NFL is going to treat the vaccinated and unvaccinated players kind of similarly now. They're going to try to speed up the process to get players back on the field because they could sense the frustration. And ironically, the NFL bullied guys into getting vaccinated. And yes, I'm using the word bullied because that's exactly what they did. It wasn't even like read between the lines kind of bullying. It was straight up like if we're going to treat vaccinated this way, we're going to treat unvaccinated that way. And you got to deal with it. And there are dramatic consequences if you're unvaccinated and you have to deal with it than if you're vaccinated and have to deal with it. Not to mention, might not even be keeping your job. Now, that was from before the season started when they were making a big push to get guys vaccinated. For the most part, the NFL did a good job in terms of achieving that goal I think most teams are above 75% vaccination rate. So I believe that's a little bit higher than the nation, the national average. So, you know, they've obviously been successful in doing so. You have a few guys that have still held out. 
you know, the, the, the Kyrie Irving from the NBA type guys uh, that are holding out. But unlike Kyrie Irving, there, there's not very many that are speaking out. And when they do, of course, they get absolutely slain on social media and other. Good example is, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? The Buffalo Bills slot wide receiver. It'll come to me in a second. I've had a long day, folks, so I apologize about that. I'm sure you guys are all like yelling through the monitor. Mike, it's so-and-so. It's at the tip of my tongue. It'll come to me in a moment here. But nonetheless, outside of him, outside of the Bills player, I don't know of many that have really been vocal about it. I think most of the guys have kind of like, you know, zipped it up and are like, we don't want to cause any attention or change the focus from the team, from winning, uh, onto me and my opinions. I think a lot of guys feel that way. But that's a byproduct of how they're treated and how they've seen others get treated when anybody opens up their mouth and says anything. Now, a quick humorous point that I want to make here. So McDonald's, let's talk about (laughs) McDonald's for a second. They're probably one of the unhealthiest fast food. If you want to even call it a restaurant, I don't think they're worthy of being called a restaurant, but they call themselves that. One of the unhealthiest fast food restaurants of all time, probably in the history of the world. Well, they're coming out and giving us health tips. (laughs) This is no joke. On the uh, French fries container, you know, the large, the red kind of like, you know, whatever it's called. I I can only think of the word container. Uh, where where they shove the fries in there and they're sticking out straight and golden and, and full of salt and deliciously addictive French fries. Well, now near the M, which would be in the middle, they've got, and this is not a joke here, I'm looking at it. Instead of the M, they've got a photo of an injection. I shit you not. They are partnering with the White House to encourage its customers to get vaccinated. So as you're eating your French fries and you're looking at that red container for the fries, you're seeing a gold injection, a gold shot staring you right in the face, reminding you that McDonald's knows what it takes for you to be healthy and that they're going to pass the message along to you. How ironic in so many different ways. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's that's the world we're at now, folks. So bringing it back to quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers probably deserves a little bit of an apology, huh? He, he he got a lot of, I mean, he was the butt of a lot of, not just jokes, but anger, and I no longer root for him, and 
He's a conspiracy theorist. That's my favorite, by the way, conspiracy theorist. It's such an oxymoron because the theory is that there is a conspiracy going on. (laughs) And then it becomes flipped to say that you're a conspiracy theorist like it's a bad thing. Well, I'm just pointing out the conspiracy that you guys are promoting. (laughs) So who really is the conspiracy theorist? The one doing the conspiracy or the one pointing it out? I'll let you decide. Now, mind you, I have not made up my mind on a lot of these issues. I have some gut feelings. But I don't know for sure. I don't think anybody does except for maybe five people at the very, very top of the food chain in the United States. I'm talking like the highest level. I think they know. Let's just say they're in the know. What do they know? I don't know. None of us know. But they know. Believe me, they know. They know what this whole thing is all about. And one thing I do know from negotiations is to get what you want, if you want item D, you make the focus all about A, B, and C. And you hammer away at A, B, and C. And the whole time, all you want to get is D. So what is the D here? I don't know. But I think that this whole thing is more about A, B, and C. A distraction, a smokescreen to get what they want, which clearly seems to be the vaccine passport. And what's the quickest way to be able to get everybody digitally available to every country around the world. See, if they asked people to do it, it would take forever. And a lot of people just wouldn't do it at all. But doing it this way, they can get, instead of a 1% response rate, they can get a 70% response rate globally. Mind you, the value of like the Facebooks and the Googles and all that stuff isn't in the content that they provide. It's in the information that they collect, folks. Information, information, information. It's all about information. That's where the value is on all this stuff. Now the government is about to surpass any of the greatest social media sites of all time in terms of gathering information. And the funny thing is they've got the social media sites fully on board with promoting this. They're either really, really stupid or they're in on it. But ultimately, that's what the government wants. And I think that's stemming from the World Bank. But I don't want to go too far off from sports here. So I'll leave it at that. I'm glad that the commercial is saving me here because I have probably excited some by speaking what they feel is the truth. And I've probably disgusted some others who think I am talking out of my you-know-what. Hopefully, everybody stays through this commercial so I can wrap this segment up so you can formulate your opinion. Stay with us. We will be right back after this. Follow 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. That last segment was brought to you by McDonald's. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, if, look, I, I don't know. I can't really claim that sponsors are banging down my door to sponsor the Mike Abadir Show, but I can guarantee you one thing McDonald's will not be one of the sponsors of this show. I'd gladly take their money, but I think that they listened to the last segment and are like, F you, if they listened. Uh, but there's there's no way that they will be uh, involved with this show. And actually, to be honest with you, I really wouldn't want their money because I think that by taking the stance that they're taking, they're making a, a judgment call that they know what's best for you. And if it turns out that they're wrong, it could doom them. I mean, really. Like, they want to gamble their whole future on this issue? I don't know. Not me. I don't know who the CEO is CEO is nowadays. But he's got some cojones. Because a lot is riding on this stupid campaign with the White House. So, good luck to them. I think I'm going to leave it at that with the whole COVID stuff. I think what we can do is sit back and listen to a lot of the opinions that are going to come out stemming from this whole situation. Because I do think, like I said, more and more guys are going to be vocal about this because they were scared to before. But you know how it goes. Once you see somebody do it and their words are accepted or not totally crushed on. Then the next guy does it and the impact is even less. And then the next guy does it 
And then the guy after that does it. And before you know it, you have a lot of guys who have said it. There's too many guys to even like really crack down on them. And then it becomes a part of the national dialogue that's acceptable. And sometimes it takes a few brave people to come out and point out some of these issues in order to have a stance accepted. It's unfortunate that it works out like that. Shouldn't be that way. I'm all about respecting people's opinions, but we are not in that day and age where we do so. We rush to judgment before we know what right or wrong is. We rush to judgment on like uh, Jesse Smollett or, you know, the, the, the noose in, in, in NASCAR or all of these things. We just hear a couple nuggets of information and we run with it as if it's 100% fact and then find out that, you know, the media was wrong and the conclusions that people formulated were incorrect. They don't really apologize for it. They just jump to the next issue and do the exact same damn thing. Oh, what it is to be living in 2021. Okay. I know a lot of the listeners out there will be listening to this, uh, not on Thursday, which is today, uh, December 16th, just a few days before Christmas, but we'll be listening perhaps over the weekend. So I don't want to spend too much time on tonight's game because it's going to be a moot point by the time you listen to this. But tonight's going to be a good ball game. I'm really excited for it. And let's face it, the Thursday night schedule hasn't been that great. Like, ever. <laughs> like, seriously, since the advent of Thursday football games, aside from Thanksgiving, of course, the Thursday schedule has been junk. You get a lot of, you know, Texans and Jaguars and, you know, Panthers and Falcons and just really, really crappy matchups for the most part. But tonight they got a really good one. They got Kansas City, who's back to playing at the level that they've played the Super Bowl caliber level over the last couple of years that they've showed us. They're back to doing so after a, uh, you know, a rough start. The reason I kind of say it like that is because, you know, they were just turning over the ball often and, and their defense hadn't been playing well. But here's what I'll tell you. Any of the turnovers that came from the hand of Patrick Mahomes, I was never worried about. I mean, he's, you know, he's the best quarterback in the league. And so he had, you know, a not so great two or three games to start the season. I mean, talk about rushing the judgment, huh? And the defense. Here's what I'll tell you about the Chiefs defense. If you look at Andy Reid's successful seasons, any successful season he's had, whether it be with the Eagles or now with the Chiefs, the defense on closing day, let's just say, last game of the season, was always tremendously better than it was on opening day. It was like that last year, the year before. So what I'm saying is 
they get better as the season goes along. That is an absolute fact about Andy Reid-led teams. Their defenses keep getting better over the course of the year. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, schematically, et cetera, you know, where you have, because look, at the beginning of the season, you've brought, you, you, you've got now a combination of, a new combination, rookies, some new coaches, some free agents, some guys moving up the depth chart, maybe snagging a starting spot, or maybe a uh, change in their role, you know, and, and uh, you know, throwing down situation, you know, dime package or, you know, whatever is being installed on the third and long. So you have a, a new collection of guys. You don't have the same 11 that you had last year. And you got, you know, perhaps a new coach, maybe not. Uh, but successful teams usually produce coaches that move on because they're sought after, because they're successful, because they're winning games. And so ultimately what you end up having is a little bit of time to gel to get that cohesiveness. Now, you could say, well, every team has to go through that. What's so different about the Andy Reid teams? Well, it really has more to do with the, the scheme and what he asks his defensive players to do than anything else. So that's why you see more sacks and interceptions towards the latter part of the year for the Chiefs defense than at the beginning of the year. They've figured it out. They're now, they've all bought in because you have to buy in. If you don't buy in and sell out to the game plan, unequivocally 100% determined, like-minded, and as a good teammate, then it isn't going to work. You have to be completely all in. That was That is what all in means, right? Complete. And that's how you get the complete game. That's how, as a defense, you play that complete game through all four quarters. Just trust the game plan. Execute exactly the way you're supposed to. Don't be out of position. Be able to make the reads, to recognize what's going on. Trust that your teammate will be on either side of you when needed. That he's going to back you when needed. That the safety will be where he needs to be. That the Mike backer is going to be covering the guy that he's supposed to cover. So that everybody else can do what they're asked to do. Depending on the play. And as the season goes on, you see better execution, more crispness, and ultimately le less yards and, and points being scored than uh, earlier in the season. And so tonight, they're going to be going up here in L.A. against. I, I would say that the Chargers are an inconsistent team. 
Do you guys think that that's a fair assessment that the Chargers are are inconsistent? Well, one thing I will tell you is they're four and three at home, so they don't have a great home record. They probably don't have much of a home field advantage, anyways. They're not so beloved. I think the NFL is loved more as a sport, as an entity, as a league, than the Chargers are. So, And what I mean by that is I think people like going to Chargers games, um, but what they're really saying is we like going to NFL games. And let's look at the schedule of opponents and figure out a good game to go to, like a game tonight. Chargers and Chiefs battle for first place in the division. Really, it's more of a battle of the Chiefs trying to fend off the Chargers. And if the Chargers have any hope of being able to compete for a division title, this is probably a must win. Seeing that the Chiefs are nine and four and the Chargers are right there at eight and five. But there's only four games left. So after tonight, there's only going to be three games left. So if the Chargers lose, they will be two games behind with three to go. And like I was talking about last week, that's that's a tough uphill battle. Um, now, I don't know about the tiebreakers. Uh, I do know if the Chargers lose, then head-to-head, they would each have a win against one another. They'd be one-on-one. You know, so... Uh, I don't know exactly how the tiebreakers would unfold because the season's not over yet. So you're going to have a different, you know, all the different criteria, right? Where you're looking at um, your division record and then your conference record down the road, you have uh, down the line. If you're still tied, there's strength of schedule, et cetera. So that really can't be decided right now. I know like on SportsCenter and stuff, they'll say as of today, but that doesn't really mean a lot because, you know, a lot of these teams have divisional matchups yet to go. So what it is today might not at all resemble what it's like in three or four weeks. We're going late into the year, by the way, before deciding this thing. And that's, Obvious because there's a 17-game schedule. But do we have two regular season games after January 1st? I think we might. It's never happened before. Hey, more football. I don't think anybody's complaining. So, bottom line, yes, if the Chargers want to win the division, tonight's must win. Like I said, if they go two back with three to go, it just... It's asking a lot, right? I mean, if the Chargers were to go 3-0 and in the remaining three, the Chiefs would have to be 1-2 and for the records to be even tied. And like I said... I don't know how that tie break would unfold. So they could go three and zero, and the Chiefs could go one and two, but that still could be a division title for the Chiefs. It could, might, might not. Just kind of depends on how, you know, we go down the list of tiebreakers. So calling this a must-win is is not much of an exaggeration. 
we've got some Saturday games this year. For some reason, I don't know why, but since I was a little kid, I've always loved this time of year when they have Saturday games. I don't know why. I've always loved it. And it's more than just, okay, cool, we got some on Saturday, and now we got some on Sunday. There's just something to it. And by the way, you may or may not know this, but the, the reason that the NFL plays these Saturday games this late in the year and only during this time of year and not any other time during the regular season outside of late December is, is for this. There's actually a law in place. There's legislation in place where the NFL can't play games conflicting with the, I believe, high school, but definitely, I know as a fact, the college football schedule on Saturdays. They can't go against them. They, it cannot be a head-to-head -head option for the viewers and for the fans. They wanted to give each their own platform. So Friday for high school, Saturday for college football, Sunday for NFL. And guess what? College football season's over. So now they can have their Saturdays. Yeah, there's some bowl games and stuff like that, but I don't think bowl games are carved out into this legislation. I think it's just regular season schedule. Because bowls, you can agree to accept the invitation or not. And they're kind of spread out all over the country. It's not necessarily for a local home fan base. doesn't really conflict with anything. It's kind of like an optional, you know, if most likely if you're a fan of that team, you're going to watch them regardless. Uh, but nonetheless, that's why we have Saturday games in the NFL late in the year. That's why we don't have them earlier in the year. Like I said, maybe that, maybe all the listeners already knew that, but I have a feeling that maybe a couple of you guys are hearing this for the first time. And if that's the case, you can look it up and see what I'm talking about. You could probably get a much cleaner description than, than what I provided, but I'm just giving you the nuts and bolts of it all. So let's take our final commercial timeout. And we'll talk more NFL. We'll break down some of these games. We'll look at what is an exciting week 15 in the National Football League as it relates to the playoff picture. Stay with us. We will be right back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports 
continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I want to congratulate all the fantasy football division winners and the guys who have made the playoff roster. It's been a tough battle it's been a stressful battle. It's been an up and down battle for the better part of 14 weeks. And now you get into the second season here. Hopefully you've qualified to move on. This is when the fun really, really begins. So congratulations and good luck with your quest for a ring. We all want that championship ring on our finger, right? And that quest starts tonight with the first game on the docket, the Chiefs and the Chargers. So I know a lot of players in this game are going to be involved in these postseason matchups. Obviously, at the very top of the list are Kelsey, Mahomes, Cheetah, Eckler, etc. Chad Beasley. That's the Buffalo Bills wide receiver whose name was at the tip of my tongue earlier. Okay. One other really quick props that I want to give is to Deion Sanders. He is doing a whale of a job. I couldn't believe my eyes. He landed a five-star recruit. And look, historically black colleges as a whole – I love, respect, and cherish them. The reason I say as a whole is because, look, if you look at any of the individual schools, they have not really been like a big deal in sports, let's just say. I used to love those games as a, as a, as a kid where uh, they, they featured them on NBC or CBS, excuse me, where you had Grambling and uh, Coach Robinson. And there was something about it which always appealed to me as a youngster. And unfortunately, because of funding, because of the quality in the Power Five schools and appeal, better players have just gone elsewhere. They've just gone elsewhere. Probably the best player in the last 25 years is Steve McNair, who played at Alcorn State. God rest his soul. 
think he's probably one of the better players. I know I'm I'm missing a, a few that have played since then, but uh, he was always an, uh, one of my all-time favorites at the quarterback position. Very underrated in a historical perspective. He was fantastic. But the the schools as a whole have not been a big draw. They have not been a big draw for fans, viewers, even attention or funding from a scholastic perspective. Although I will say one of the great things that Donald Trump did do, love him or hate him, he uh, signed into law, uh, basically carved out money to always be funding those schools with X amount of money per year. And no other president had been able to accomplish that. So, I mean, like I said, if you look at it objectively, that was fantastic. That was huge for them, for their survival. But now Dion comes in and, you know, a lot of times with mega celebrities like Dion Sanders, I always wonder, are they going to like show up and then get sick of it? You know, get get sick of, of you know, being a small fish. Of not working with a great talent. Of kind of being tucked away in Jackson, Alabama and forgotten about. And then they just move on quickly, right? But it seems like Dion's actually taken this really, really seriously. Now, I have no idea uh, what his goals are. Is this a stepping stone? Does he want to succeed here and then move on to a major program? You know, be uh, Nick Saban's successor. <laughs> or, or Florida State most, most probably would be on his list if he wanted to climb up the college football ranks, restore that program to its glory uh, for the better part of about 30 years that they uh, sustained or maybe he wants to make it to the NFL as, as a coach. I don't know. But clearly, he's taking this very seriously. Clearly, he's making his mark. Clearly, he knows how to recruit. Big props to Deion Sanders. I love what he's doing. And you, you got to wonder what the ripple effect of this is going to be, right? Do now do you now have more five-star type players going to schools like that? My guess is probably yes. I think initially they'll probably flock to want to work with Dion. But you may see some of the other rosters in the uh, HBC schools get better prospects than they have over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Good stuff. Okay. Back to this week's slate of games. I was talking about Saturday games and my affinity for them. First game is the one that we spent the first part of the show talking about. Well, the team that we spent the first part of the show talking about, which is the Cleveland Browns. So they're going to be hosting the Raiders uh, you know, I used the, the term must win earlier. Well, these teams are both in a must win situation as well. 
if they have any hopes of going to the playoffs. I, I think you can lose this game and be able to advance to the postseason tournament. At least for the Raiders, because they'd be six and eight. So they'd be two games under 500 or three to go. And there's just too many teams in that like seven and six type range right now to be able to afford a loss. And I'd say the same thing for the Browns, even though they're one game up on the Raiders, you know, at seven and six, there's just too many teams that are competing for those spots, right? So you have four divisions. You could have division winners from those four, leaving us with three more coveted playoff spots. Three plus four, seven this year. We go to the 17 playoff format. So the division winners, if things kind of stayed pat, would be the Pats, New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, and the Kansas City Chiefs. The next best record out there is the team that's playing tonight, the Chargers at eight and five. After that, you have the Bills at seven and six, the Browns at seven and six, the Bengals at seven and six. The Colts at seven and six. Even the Denver Broncos somehow, some way are seven and six. And then right behind them, the Dolphins at six and seven, the Steelers at six, six and one, and the Raiders at six and seven. That's a lot of teams that I've rattled off right there that are all within a game or a game and a half. How do you even work that with the tie? Six, six and one. Anyways, I know that puts them right at 500. Uh, but too many teams to afford a loss. The only way you could guarantee yourself a spot is to run the table, right? You run the table, you're probably making the playoffs. And speaking of running the table, the Dolphins, since they're one and seven start, are doing just that. They are now six and seven after a one and seven start. I know I spent some time talking about them last week, so I won't spend too much time on it today, except to say that hopefully the buy served them well. They are one of the few teams that had a week 14 buy. And so they should be recharged for their final stretch of the season here to be able to make that playoff push. Wouldn't that be something if they made the playoffs? After a one and seven start. Another team that had a bye last week that was on a roll as well are the Patriots. And they will be heading into Indianapolis to face the Colts. So, another excellent matchup. Again, Colts in that seven and six boat that I've been talking about, you know, they, they're probably at a must win as well. I mean, all these seven and six teams really have to win this weekend. Unless they all lose. <laughs> if all the seven and six teams lose, then that's a big ask, right? Especially because the next game that I'm going to talk about is the Bills and the Panthers. Now, it's interesting to me because a lot of people had jumped off the Bills bandwagon. And for some reason, because they played one good half of football against the Bucks. It's kind of like resurrected the faith in some people. 
but not me. To me, the Bills are done. They're not a Super Bowl contender this year. Not just can they not run the ball, they've abandoned running the ball. Look at how far into last game before they even had a single carry uh, for a running back. Their, their running game is their quarterback, and that's it. They have no running game whatsoever. I don't know what happened with Zach Moss. I don't know why Devin Singletary hasn't taken a step forward because he could be a good receiving back and a good, you know, uh, get outside the tackles and, you know, be a speed burner down the line for 60-yard touchdown type guy. But he's not. Not the way he's been used. They even brought Matt Breida in, who's had some glimpses of being dangerous, being a weapon. But overall, they're just not capable of running the ball for whatever reason. And really, you can't be a playoff team and expect to make some serious damage if you can't run the ball in January. A team that can run the ball have a lot of weapons. The Arizona Cardinals. In my mind, they are still very underrated. They're 10 and 3, and they're 7 and 0 oh away from home. So if they beat the Lions, which I expect that they will be a 1 and 11 Lions team, they will have gone unbeaten on the road this year. Big applause for the Arizona Cardinals of being able to do so. They have a they have a three-headed monster in terms of running the ball. Now, I know Chase Edmonds has been hurt for um, the, the last few games, but he's a terrific weapon. He's got great hands, great field vision. He's elusive. He can give you 100 yards on the ground. He could give you 100 yards in the air. He can catch double-digit number of balls and do something with it. Kyler Murray is always a threat. He hasn't run as much, but the runs have been meaningful. A lot of 18-yard games, gains when they're, you know, third and 15. You know that move. Gets it to the outside, and then tight ropes the sideline to be able to get a couple more yards, and then goes out of bounds. Like, he's that's his patented move. It's fantastic. He doesn't do that a lot in the middle of the field, if you notice. And I think that's by design. He's really trying to avoid some of those big hits so he could have longevity in the league because he's a smaller quarterback. And one of the best ways to be able to extend your shelf life is to do exactly what he's doing. And he's fast enough right now to be able to do that. Who knows, after years of running and taking hits, et cetera, how long his speed burner burners will uh, keep, you know, doing what it's doing. Got to slow down at some point. But right now, there's no signs of that. No signs of slowing down. He's doing a fantastic job. And then James Conner. How did how did Pittsburgh give up on this guy? That I don't understand. Why did they move on from him? Clearly, he has a ton left in the tank. He's one of the league leaders in touchdowns. He's got a great attitude. The guy's beat cancer. 
And on that note, that's all the time we have. Thank you for listening. Sorry to be abrupt, but we will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.